Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. She literally vanished, like, for a woman who was so friggin' loud. She was just gone, like, I still remember after... You know, and I still have these moments sometimes where I think, did I make you up? Because she was just... She was there one minute and she was just literally gone. There's been no... No one's found a handbag. No one's found anything of hers. Hello and welcome to Investigates. I'm your host, April Glover. Today's episode features an incredible young woman who has spent almost half her life searching for her missing mother. Melbourne woman Lily Parmenter was only 19 when her mum Kathleen O'Shea, known to her family and friends as Katie, disappeared from the Queensland town of Atherton in December 2005. Katie was a quirky, happy, and beloved single mum of five. On December 17, 2005, Katie and her 11-year-old daughter, Bridget, flew to Cairns to visit her son, Alan, and his partner, Briar. Alan and Briar lived two hours from Cairns in the town of Ravenshoe, and they were expecting their first child. Lily says she was so incredibly excited to meet her very first grandchild. But Katie never made it to the birth of her granddaughter. After a few weeks of staying at Alan and Briar's property, on December 29th, 2005, Katie decided to go for a walk into town. Her son Alan then picked her up and dropped her off at a pub in Atherton. She told him she was going to the pub to play pool. This was the last time anyone saw Katie alive. The new year came and went, and on January 9th, 2006, Briar gave birth to a healthy baby girl, but Katie wasn't there. It's been 15 long years, and Katie still hasn't been seen by a single soul. In this episode, we speak to her daughter Lily about where she thinks her mother is, and why it's taken so long to find any answers. So, Lily, you haven't seen your mother, Katie O'Shea, since 2005. Before she went missing, were you quite close with your mum? We were. I mean, as a teenager, I guess, you know, like I could always come to her and, you know, we always went for little walks together and I could tell her anything. But it wasn't until sort of after she went missing and I was talking to a friend about you know, my parents and stuff and he actually said to me, he goes, you're really lucky. And I said, well, why is that? He goes, because you know your parents. Like, you know your mum, whereas, you know, who she was even before you. Yeah, he was like, you know, I just know my parents as mum and dad. He's like, so, you know, you're really lucky that you, you know, know, like knew your mum to the point where you could sort of describe everything she was and 
what kind, what she was all about and even just the naughty stuff she got into when she was a teenager and, you know, I think she had this little thing where she was always like, well, just remember, baby, anything you do, I've probably done worse so you can come to me with anything. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And you, you you seem to have known the kind of person she was really well. What was she like? I always say she, it's, she marched the beat of her own drum and she probably made the drums. She played by her own rules but she was always – she loved being a mum like that was her like that was her number one love like she was just abnormally proud of all of us no matter what we did like you know you'd walk in a straight line and she'd start crying and she'd be like I'm so proud of you guys you guys have got legs and she did have five children didn't she and she was a single mum did she ever seem to struggle with that financially it was tough you know we always had food on the table we always had clothes on our backs and yeah, like it, it was a little bit tough. And, you know, there were times when she said, you know, I, I don't like being the mum and the dad, but, you know, she, she just did what she had to do and, you know, got us all through it. And, you know, we never went without anything. Like I, I still remember, um, this is when, when I was a little girl, when both my parents were together and, you know, we, we still didn't have a lot then really either. And, you know, she'd just go all out with birthday parties and presents and she'd invite every kid in school. Mind you, it was a small country town, so it was probably like 30 kids. Um, and, you know, everyone had never, no one left without like party food left over and lolly bags and, you know, all the leftover games. Like she went all out for us and no matter how little she had, she always made sure that we, that we had whatever we needed. Would you say she was a happy person? Yeah, yeah, she definitely was. She was very, um, she was just such a force of nature. That's, I think, is the best way to describe it. Like she was just, when she put her mind to something, very rarely could you even just get it to stop watching, <laughs> you know, that sort of part. What do you remember about the last time you actually saw your mum? The last time I saw mum was two nights before she went up to Queensland I'd gone over to give her her Christmas present, hers and my sister's Christmas present, and I still remember I was an apprentice, uh, like a first-year hairdressing apprentice, and I was making like 5 or $6 an hour or something, and I wanted to buy her something for Christmas, but I couldn't really afford all that much, and it was just a simple, you know, those little like um, Zamel um, silver chains with little crystals on it, and she's like teared up again. I'm so proud you've got a job that you can buy presents for. Why did you spend money on me? Oh, I'm so proud of you. And yeah, like she was, she was happy and gave her a Christmas presents. And yeah, a couple of days later she was in Queensland and, you know, was it like 12 days after that she was gone. What was your mum doing in Queensland? Uh, she was up in Queensland to visit two of my brothers and my older brother was actually about to have his first child. Yeah, she went up there to sort of spend some time with her friends because I grew up in North Queensland and see them and spend some time with the baby and see her sons and, yeah, just a, just a nice month-long break. The last time anyone saw Katie O'Shea alive was on December 29th, 2005. It was only one day earlier that Lily had her last conversation with her mother. And when Lily's brother Alan had his little girl on January 9th, Lily gave him a call. Alan mentioned their mum hadn't been at the birth. In fact, she hadn't even called to congratulate them. This sent a chill down Lily's spine. Her mum was beyond excited to be a grandmother. There was no way she wouldn't get in touch. It didn't make any sense. 
by January 18, 2006, an investigation into the disappearance of Katie commenced. The investigation was named Operation Echo Majestic. Local police and members of the Homicide Investigation Squad investigated her disappearance. They carried out proof-of-life checks in relation to her on Centrelink, financial institutions, Medicare, interstate police, and the official birth, deaths, and marriages office. But there were no records of any movements or actions by Katie after the day she went missing. When the baby was born, I spoke to my older brother and I remember saying to him, so did mum cry more than your partner did in the delivery room? Like, did she kick the doctor out? Did she commandeer the room? Because she full would be like, don't worry, I can do this. I can birth this child. I've got five. Get out of here. And he went, she's not here. And I said, what do you mean she's not there? He goes, oh, she missed the birth. And I said, what do you mean she missed the birth? And he goes, oh, she went to visit a friend a couple of towns away. And I said, well, do you have her number? Like, as she got her phone, he goes, no, her phone's here. And at the time that made sense because mum, mum was the kind of person that still used a payphone. And she didn't, even though, you know, she'd been given an FPOS card, she literally forgot the code every single time. So she got herself locked out. So she had the old passbooks. Mm-hmm. She was, yeah, she was not very te- technologically spunky, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So when he said that he had her phone, I sort of, I thought, well, stands to reason. She probably just left it. And then, yeah, and I said, well, who's got, like, how can I get, like, who's, have you got the friend's number? And he goes, no. And I said, okay. So he gave me a name of um, her best friend who would have had the number. So, but he didn't have her number. So I had to phone tree around half of Queensland to get this number. And I remember calling her and going, can you go to the friends and grab mum? Because, you know, the baby's been born and she goes, okay, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And I still remember she called me back 10 minutes later and she said, your mum's not there. Something's wrong. You've got to call the police. Like there's something not right. Because the friend even said, I didn't think she, she wasn't supposed to be here. And, yeah, so I rang my brother back and I said, do you need to go to the police? There's something wrong. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, mum's not at her friend's. And at the time, I didn't know you could report someone missing from interstate. And he was very hesitant about going to the police because he was like, well, you know, what if she's just out? I'm like, dude, she's been gone for however long. Like she's been, no one's seen her in about 10 days at this point. There's something wrong. You need to go. So we sort of talked about, you know, waiting an extra couple of days and we'd make some phone, make more phone calls. The next day I rang around, I rang everywhere. I rang pubs. I rang hairdressers. I rang every shop in Atherton where he dropped her off. Um, I even rang the, the um, like the churches to see if she'd somehow randomly gone to confession. I even rang the jail to see if she hadn't been locked up in the drunk tank. And, yeah, we couldn't find her. And then, ironically enough, Friday the 13th of January 2006, um, she was reported missing. Who was the last person to actually see your mum alive in Atherton? There was a bottle shop attendant who says that he had seen her. He remembers because she bought um, her favourite. Mum wasn't a big drinker, but when she liked her Cooper Stout, the yellow label, which no one on earth likes except to her. And so he remembers that because she was the only one that actually bought Cooper Stout that day. But unfortunately, because of how long it was before, she, since she, like when she was reported missing, um, the tapes had actually re- rewound themselves. So there was no... Like we've got an eyewitness account, but we don't have security evidence and stuff. Other than that, um, it would be my older brother. When a person goes missing, there are thousands of different scenarios that could have played out. 
Was Katie simply sick of her life and decided to run away? Did she roll a car into a ditch and was waiting for help? Did she go on a bushwalk and had lost her way? For Lily, it was easier to imagine her mother had been a victim of a horrible accident. It was too painful to think that her sweet, beautiful mum had been forcibly taken from this world. But as the days passed and there was no sign of her mum, she didn't burst through the door, singing out that she was finally home. It seemed more and more likely that someone had taken her. Many family members of missing people will tell you just how powerful hope is. Hope is that tiny twinkle of light that keeps you going in the darkest of times. But after months of not seeing her mum, realising it just wasn't like her to disappear like this, Lily says that hope was finally extinguished. I even used to have, like, you know, nightmares where we'd find her on the ground, we'd be trying to dig her up and everything went through my mind. Like at the start, I kind of, it took me a while to accept that she was gone, even though in my heart of hearts I knew that she wouldn't have left without, she just wouldn't have left on her own volition. So um, I must remember for months, about 18 months in, she goes, Lily, you know she's gone. And like that was when I sort of accepted to myself that, yeah, okay, She's definitely gone, but, you know, there were times when I was like, maybe she just ran off, like, and, you know, you have all these people coming out of the woodwork um, sort of going, oh, you know, she's alive while she lives in Glen Waverley and she's now married to a tax accountant and maybe she just didn't want to be a mother anymore and, you know, you have enough strangers saying, you know, just random things to you like that. You sort of think, was that true? But in my heart of hearts, I knew that she was gone. I just couldn't accept it. And did you say it was about 18 months before you accepted that she wasn't just going to come and knock on your door and say, I'm back? Yeah, it took yeah it took a good 18 months and that was when I sort of admitted to myself that you know that she wouldn't have left. But I think me maybe feeling slightly angry at her at the start sort of helped me just not break it, break down and dissolve into a million pieces because, you know, I was the one that was talking to the police, the media and all that sort of thing and I think... In my, like, as as long as I had that sort of train of thought, maybe she is out there, maybe she will come back, maybe I can reach her, that I was able to keep going Mm. without Mm. breaking down. It's complicated having that hope that she's still out there, but also understanding that if she is out there, she's choosing not to come back. It is. I know with him, like, I know my mum well enough to know that she she just wouldn't have gone. Mm. Someone had to have taken her, something had to have happened. But I think, you know, hope is, a, hope is a great thing until it becomes a hurtful thing, if that makes sense. Like it's hope's great but then hope can also break your heart in the way that you, you just become so determined. Maybe, 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 maybe she's out there but then you know, you know that she's not. And even today, like even to this very day, sometimes I think if you are out there, like I hope you are because it's the worst thing to think, Okay, yes, someone killed my mum. <laughs> I hope nothing. I hope she, you know, that, you know, the, your worst kind of nightmare, your loved one has vanished and, you know, in all likelihood someone's murdered her. Mm. It's it's the worst kind of thing that can go through your mind because it just, you, your mind just becomes this vortex of bad scenarios and, you know, nightmares and just everything. 
I'd never wish this on my worst enemy. When did you draw the conclusion that maybe someone had taken her or she'd been a victim of foul play rather than it just being a horrible accident? Um, I think when I was finally able to sort of accept to myself that, okay, she's definitely no longer with us, I think I knew that I already knew that she'd been murdered because if it was an accident or anything like that, then why hasn't her body been found? Like there was, it, it seems, stands to reason there was, you know, an active concealment of her, like her body. People just don't vanish, do they? It doesn't happen by accident. Oh no, and especially not there. It's um, it's a small, like it's a, it's a tiny little area of the table in the Atherton Tablelands, but it's surrounded by you know woodland and you know rainforest and you know, valleys and old um, volcanic craters that are filled with water and just it's it's a good place to make something get lost. But considering where she was, you know, my brother said he dropped her off, she was in a town. So if anything, natural causes would have happened, but, you know, it was, it's not a, it's not a city of any mind, any mean, it's not a massive, it was the biggest town we had in that area, but it, you know, someone would have found her if if it was you know natural causes in in and around that area because it's a populated area. Katie's disappearance wasn't just heartbreakingly frustrating for her family. It was also immensely difficult for police to find anything connected to her last movements. The bottle shop attendant, James Kennedy, would later tell police he recalled seeing Katie come into the shop with two unknown men. He thought that one of them might have had a black beard and worn a flannelette shirt. He couldn't recall the other man's appearance. But that was it. And soon, the case turned cold. Thankfully, in 2014, there was some headway. An inquest was held into Katie's disappearance, calling 17 witnesses to give evidence, including Lily and Katie's other children. The inquest found that Katie O'Shea is deceased. Her cause of death was listed as undetermined. However, it was found that she died on or soon after December 29, 2005, in the area of the far north Queensland Tablelands. The coroner said, there is no reason to believe that Ms. O'Shea intentionally disappeared. It is clear from the evidence heard at this inquest that she would not have left her children on whom she doted. I, I think I, I kind of expected that outcome, outcome to come during the inquest. and But, I mean, it's it's never easy to, to hear that, you know, someone's harmed someone you love and you know killed them it's it's never I guess it reaffirmed my sort of my worst my worst thoughts and everything that I sort of I guess I already knew and in some ways um in some ways coronial inquests are actually really good things for investigations because it does point investigators into um an area in which they could be looking into so it it sort of instead of just a missing person it came a a missing person homicide. Mm, that's right. 
And have there been any suspects at all? Um, there is two persons of interest. Um, one was uh, a family member who I, I can't really name for legal reasons and the other one was um, a convicted rapist who um, I think he was charged with abducting a woman the year after mum disappeared um, and basically he'd offered this woman a lift. She couldn't she couldn't get to the next town out of uh, Miller Miller and um, he basically, um, you know, said, oh, look, I've got to get more petrol or something like that at my house. So they, they went to his house and he seemed fine and anyway, basically he um, locked the door and um, tortured and raped her for overnight and he basically brutalised her and she was amazing. She managed to break her um, like piece of her jewellery off and throw it under the bed because she thought if anything happens then I've left something here and she managed to break herself free and run butt naked through his property um, with him and his dog chasing her and she finally managed to find help and police were called and he was apprehended and charged but he was free around the time mum disappeared and this guy is also recently charged with the, the um, disappearance and homicide of Haley Dodd who was 17 in WA um, in 1999. Walk may have had other victims. Far North Queensland detectives are in Perth and want to speak to him about the disappearance and suspected murder of Katie O'Shea who was last seen in Atherton in 2005. It must be utterly terrifying to have a man like that associated with your mother's disappearance. Oh, yeah. I remember before the inquest, I actually had a reporter ring me and go, hey, how do you feel about him being at the inquest? I had no idea. He was there at the inquest. Before the inquest, a reporter rang me um, before I'd sort of flew up from, from Melbourne and he rang me at work and he said, how do you feel about this guy being at the inquest? And I went, what? And I went home and just because I stupidly found out what he did to this this other woman in Queensland because I saw it in the paper. I was like, oh, that's my hometown. What's this dude? What's this dude? And I've, you know, spoken with Haley's mum a couple of times. So I, I read what he did to her. And, um, yeah, that wasn't my smartest move because it literally broke me for a good few days. And then just seeing him at the inquest, it was it was strange because he just seemed so simple. But obviously he's just the worst kind of human being you can get. To be honest, it makes me want to throw up when I think that if mum was left to hit in his hands that just the brutality that he would have caused on her. Did the inquest recommend any sort of prosecution against any suspect? Um... No, um, there was uh, the family member who's still a person of interest didn't appear at the inquest and they would have provided relevant details to sort of where the coroner should have gone. But unfortunately because we were sort of missing that key um, uh, testimony, I guess, the only thing she could really say was it, it's it's been determined that you're looking at a homicide basically and that more information was needed in order to sort of point her, point them in the right direction um, as to who. But, um, yeah, it, it, unfortunately it was just, it just sort of, you know, states that she's gone. Someone took her. 
Earlier on, Lily mentioned a suspect named Francis Walk. Walk is a convicted rapist who was found guilty of murdering missing 17-year-old Haley Dodd in July 1999 in Western Australia's Wheatbelt region. Queensland police have linked Walk to Katie's disappearance. Haley was abducted by Walk while she was hitchhiking to a friend's place, and police believe Katie may have intended to hitchhike back to a friend's place after her trip to Atherton. Walk has been questioned about Katie in the past, including at the inquest, but he has denied knowing anything about her disappearance. But he did admit that he knew her son, Alan, and he also admitted that he would regularly visit Atherton to do his grocery shopping or to visit the local Centrelink office. He also occasionally played pool at the hotel. So could Walk have yet another victim? There are some things that could point to that, um, such as um, I think from my own personal sleuthing, he was around the area at the same time. Um, I don't know what um, his his Queensland victim looked like, but um, Haley Dodd and my mum have similar features, so brown hair, brown eyes, slender. Um, mum was obviously older than 17. But there's this one photo of Haley um, that's in the media and I, every time I see it I think, my God, you look like my sister. Wow. Um, so, you know, if he was that the type of predator that had a type, we'll say, I think slender brunettes with brown eyes would have just been his t- his kick. Mm. Um, uh, there was um, a, the possibility that he may have been seen in the same area as mum. I know that mum wouldn't have, you know, hitchhiked or anything like that. She did when she was, you know, when when it was in the 70s, but um, she wouldn't have got into a car with a stranger um, so the other side is he he also lived quite close to where my older brother was living when they lived in the same town. Like it's not even a five-minute drive. So um, he could have met my mum in passing. She'd been up there previously. Um, so if he'd said, hey, I know your son, mum would mum probably wouldn't have remembered his name. But she would have been like, oh, hello, do you know my son? You, I can trust you. Mm. So, you know, that they could have met like that. But it's it's hard to say because any sort of security camera footage and surveillance footage of, you know, the town around that time, unfortunately, was sort of gone, like a, the tapes rewound themselves after two weeks and it took, it was 15 days when mum was reported missing. So it's it's hard to determine whether or not she was seen with anyone. Is he still an active person of interest and are police still questioning him or, you know, working towards him as a suspect? I believe that when he was charged, my um, the detective in charge of mum's case up in Queensland actually flew over to Perth to try and interview him, but he refused to be interviewed. I, th- I think they can't rule him out, but they, you know, also can't physically say he's a suspect because... You know, there's there's no evidence to suggest that anyone has even like the, the mum just looks like it's she should have just vanished into a vortex. There's no evidence of anything really. Mm-hmm. The only thing we know is that she's not here. This Christmas will mark 15 long years since Lily last spoke to or saw her sweet mum Katie. So long without any answers and feeling helpless has pushed her to make a change. Now. 
Lily is studying a degree in criminology in the hope that one day she can work her way up in her career to become part of the missing persons unit in the federal police. Lily's drive, passion and motivation is a testament to just how much she misses and loves her mum. She just wants her home. Do you have confidence that someday you will have answers and there will be some sort of justice for what happened to your mum? No one can keep something to themselves forever. So I do believe that there is probably, you know, one or two or three or four people out there that know exactly what happened to her but for whatever reason they're scared or they don't want to, you know, don't want to get involved in it or for whatever reason. I do believe that there are people out there that probably know exactly what happened to her and even where she is but they haven't come forward. So, I mean, I, I I want this person found because I want them to, to I want it on the record that they killed my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want, I want to find them so we can find out where she is so we can bring her remains home. Like an anonymous death is the cruelest thing you can do to someone. Mm. Um. And I just, she deserves a decent burial. Like she deserves to know where, like for people to know where her final resting place was. Um, And I guess until then my my small form of justice is just making sure her name's out there as much as I can because, you know, if they are still out there, they're following what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that as long as I keep putting mum's name out there, their world's going to feel a little bit smaller every time. As of 2020, Kathleen Mary O'Shea has been missing for nearly 15 years. She left five children behind, her youngest only 11 at the time. She was described as being 171 centimetres tall, with tan skin, green eyes, dark hair and a slim build. Lily and her family miss her so much and want more than anything to find answers. Anyone with information which could assist police with their investigation into Katie's disappearance should contact Crime Stoppers on 1-800-333-000. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Investigates. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review or subscribe. And please tune in next week. See you then. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 